Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. I want to put this up on my heart early this morning to, to speak to you about this, and, and I want to obey Him. Philippians chapter 4, and verse 6, and verse number 7. What we're going to discuss tonight is waging war on worry. Waging war on worry. All right, look with me in chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Actually, when, as Paul is dealing with this subject, he actually is going to give us the remedy to start off with. Okay? Now, I want you to look with me in verse 6 and 7. He says, be careful for nothing. Now, that word careful, it means to be anxious. And it means to be stressed or distressed. And it means to be really worried about some things. I'm going to be honest with you. That's why I didn't put up here winning the war on worry. I put waging the war on worry. Because I lose a few battles and I win a few battles when it comes to this thing about worrying or caring or being anxious sometimes about some things. I don't want to be. I don't like it. But here's what he says. And I think most of us do have issues. I think we have a family member that you are concerned about. That sometimes you even might be, you might even say classified as worried about. That creates some anxiety sometimes and some distress in your heart. Maybe they're struggling. Maybe they're out of church. Maybe they're not saved. And then sometimes there's financial issues. Uh, I don't like financial setbacks. I haven't yet learned to smile when I have a financial setback. I'm being serious now. You know, uh, I don't like surprises. I don't like to get a, a, a bill in the mail that I'm not expecting from someone or somewhere. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I'd really uh, like to pay my bills. I'd like to have a little bit left over to be able to be a blessing to my family or to my friends. And then there's physical infirmities. Sometimes you can go to the doctor and find out some things that you don't want to hear. Sometimes your family members hear things that you don't you don't want them, you know, to, to have that illness or that issue. And so you, you start thinking about it. You start worrying about it a little bit. And so the Lord says here in verse number 6, He says, be careful for nothing. Now that doesn't mean that you don't care about anybody or anything. But he's talking about it carrying it over to where that you are, you're losing something here. And here's what he'll show you what it is. It says, he says, first of all, he says, but in everything, everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And notice what he says, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So obviously, what's happening here is, is that when you become full of care, what is it that you lose? Peace. You lose peace. You lose the peace of God. You lose the peace of mind that God gives. And when he says right here that the peace of God which passes all understanding. I will say 
that um, this is something that's uh, better experienced than it can be explained. Because God really does give peace of mind and heart to His children, and you really can't explain it. But it really does come to the heart and mind of the child of God. But He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. So, when you are worried about something, and if you are worried about someone or something tonight, or, you, or it comes upon you, he says, here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to call upon the Lord. He says, in everything by prayer and supplication. So you need to talk to God about it. First Peter 5, 7. He said, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So, first of all, if you're worried about something, have you talked to God about it? And when you start worrying about something, what is the first thing that you do? What's your routine when you're troubled? What is your... What do you do? Do you go to the medicine cabinet? Do you go to pick up the phone? Or reach out to somebody? Or really, what is the first thing that you do when your mind is troubled and your heart is troubled. What do you do? Well, Paul wants you first of all before you pick up the phone or you talk to somebody or you ask somebody. That's okay. But the first thing you need to do is you need to get along with God. And you need to talk to God like he's right there in the room with you. Amen. Okay? Uh, I had somebody the other day who had just suffered a... Somebody... said, listen, the best advice I can give you right now, and it works, if you'll do this, I says, if you'll just get along by yourself, get on your knees before God, and lift your hands up toward heaven, and thank you for everything that really matters to you right now. And there's something about doing that. And what he says right here, when Thanksgiving, because when you're stressed out and you're worried about some things, you lose focus of the overall picture of how blessed that you really are. Sure. You're zeroed in on one thing that's really eating your lunch. Sure. And you can't see the big picture anymore. And God says, I want you to come to me and I want you to let your request be made known to me. Right. I want you to tell me what's burdening you, what's what you're worried about. I mean, really put it out there. The psalmist said you ought to pull your heart out. Now, if you're pouring your heart out to somebody, aren't you really, really, really getting down to the nitty-gritty and being really, really frank and honest and sincere when you're pouring your heart out? That's what God wants. And by the way, sometimes that's why He lets trouble knock on our door sometimes. It's because it's the only time He can get us From the heart. And not just when we are having 
trouble. God doesn't want to be a spare tire in your trunk that you just get out when you have a flat. God wants you to talk to Him. But notice He says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. He said, Come, get in the closet, but bring thanksgiving with you. And let your request be made known unto who? Unto God. Didn't Jesus tell us that when we talk to Him, He says, I want you to talk to me in secret. And God hears you in secret. And He will answer you openly if you'll talk to Him in secret. So before you talk to anybody, I'm not saying you shouldn't ever talk to your friends that pray for you. And when you really get heavy hearted, that's a good thing to call on brothers and sisters in Christ. But be sure that before you call them, that you have spent some time with God. Amen. And before you come out of that closet, you thank Him for something. You thank Him for something that's going on in your life that is good. I promise you, as bad as it is, there are still some good things in your life if you'll take the time to search it out and say, you know what? Then you'll really probably find out that God's been pretty good to you Amen. in some areas of your life. So, I want you to remember this, that you need, first of all, the remedy for worry is that you go to God, call upon Him, make a request known to Him, all right? And He says in verse number 7, He gives us the results. And we want to study on that for just a moment. If you'll do what He said on waging the war, if you'll talk to God, all right, then He is going to give you the results. And I like the results. If you'll do what He said, all right? Notice what he says here, that if you'll do what he said, the remedy is in verse 6. The result is the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Now, I need to explain this a little bit to you, okay? Again, it's better experience than it is explained. But I want you to understand the resource of this peace. It has to be recognized. Look in verse number 10, uh, verse 9, I'm sorry. Look at verse 9. He said, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So the source of this peace that we're talking about that passes all understanding comes from the God of peace. Now I want to explain something to you tonight that's very simple. But it needs to be understood. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 5 and look with me in verse number 1. Okay, you see what I wrote on the board there? Is there a difference between these two things right here? Peace with God and the peace of God? Alright? Now one of these here has to do with our being reconciled to God it has to do with our salvation. It has to do with our eternal peace. Okay? This is eternal. Alright? But this right here is earthly. I hope you can read that good handwriting right there. Alright? One of them is eternal. And it is not impacted. This right here is totally completely dependent upon God. And our relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. Look at Romans 5, verse number 1. Nobody can experience the peace of God until they have peace with God. Yes. You have to have a relationship with God 
as a father to a child, a father to a son. You have to be born again. You have to be saved. All right? Now look at chapter 5, verse 1. He said, therefore, being justified by faith. By faith in who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Now he explained that in the previous verses. Go back up in chapter number 4. All right? Where it says here in verse number 24, for us, talking about Abraham, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed, talking about the righteousness of Jesus. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, now look carefully here, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So he is saying if you want to have peace with God, then you must by faith believe that God the Father sent God the Son to bear on the cross your offenses in his body on that tree. And then that God powerfully raised him from the dead to verify that he was the Son of God, that you and I could be saved or justified or reconciled to God. Amen. Those are a lot of words I didn't know when I got the first time I went to church and somebody said, well, they even asked me, do you want to be saved? And I said, I don't even know what that means. And I did not know what it means. I wasn't being a smart aleck. I didn't know what the word saved meant, or the word redeemed, or the word justified, or reconciled. Those are all words I learned later, after I got saved. But I did not know that. But I knew that I needed something, because I knew that I didn't have this or this. I didn't have peace with God because I didn't have the peace of God because I didn't have peace with God. Right. Amen. And until you get saved, you'll never be able to have the peace of God. But here, here's the thing about it. By the way, God will see to it that the wicked have no peace. Yeah. He'll see to that. He'll trouble their waters that they might seek after Him. But Romans 5 verse 1 said, Therefore being justified by faith, we have... Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That does not change from day to day. It is not based upon my feelings or my nervous system, how I feel. My mood swings from day to day. That does not change. I have been reconciled to God through the death of Jesus Christ. I am a child of God. I am eternally His. Saved by grace through faith. And kept by the power of God. That God provides. And it's not based upon me holding on to the hand as much as that hand is holding on to me. Okay? But now this right here is conditional. And it does depend upon some of my choices and my behavior. I can lose I can lose the peace of God without losing peace with God. When I lose the peace of God, it doesn't mean that I'm lost again and that I need to be saved again. But it does mean that I'm going to lose the peace of God. You know what the Bible says about the peace of God? That you should let the peace of God rule in your heart. Meaning that if you lose it, you need to get it back. Find out where you lost it. Elisha had a servant, and he was one day building a prophet chamber that he had a 
maintain this. Okay, so what did Elisha do? Elisha did not chew this guy out. He asked him one simple question. Because really there was nothing that that guy could do, Brother David, to get that axe head back up out of the water. You get a piece of iron, it sinks in the water, it's gone. There was nothing he could do. But when he did lose, when he lost that axe head, he lost his ability to be effective. I mean, you you, you chop it on a tree with a piece of wood, you're not going to be much good, right? You're going to need some iron. You're going to need something sharp. You're going to need it back. And you're going to need the peace of God to keep you sharp and to keep you effective. When you lose a piece of God, it shows up on your face. It shows up in your attitude. soul is full of anxiety and it is no peace doesn't mean that you unsaved you did it means if you lost that axe head somewhere you're going to have to go back and search your heart and mind that's okay that's good and god god will put his finger on it. he'll help you find it that's good and say okay right here is where you got out of salt children right here okay and he'll show it to you he'll show it to you and sometimes it can just simply be Something that you said to somebody in the wrong spirit. You grieve the spirit of God. It can be that simple. But you can get back that simple too. When you say to the Lord, Lord, right here is where I lost it. Tell me what I got to do to get it back. And listen, it takes a miracle to get it back, but it really it takes confession to get it back. Yeah. But let's talk about that in just a moment, about that peace of God. Look in, uh, go back with me to the book of Philippians real quick, okay? I don't know about you, but I'm addicted to the peace of God. Amen. I'm addicted to it. I can't hardly stand not to have it. And you wouldn't be able to stand me when I don't have it. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I just got to have it. Look in Philippians chapter 4. Look with me in verse number 7. The peace of God. The peace of God. This is, the, the, the peace of God is something that you can literally feel an experience in your heart, in your mind. It calms you down. It gives you some grace and some peace that you cannot explain. You really can't. That's why sometimes when you see somebody going through something and you look at them and say, I don't I don't see how they're handling that. I, I don't see how they're going through that. And it's because the peace of God is undergirding them and strengthening them and helping them because they're trusting God at that moment in their life. Now, I want you to notice he says here that he keeps your hearts and minds through uh, Christ Jesus. So those are the results. If you are worried about something, the remedy is to go to God and pull your heart out to him. Let your request be made known to him. Tell him how you really feel about some things. He can take it. And then in verse number 7, he says the peace of God will keep your heart and mind. But then he goes on a little bit further. Okay? 
Because in uh, verse 8 and 9, I want you to notice something he says. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, what's the next word? True. Whatsoever things are what? True. Honest. What's the next one? Honest. Just. Pure. Lovely. Of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Then look in verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. That's a big word with two letters in it. All right. So, I've got to, I've got to, I've got some responsibility. be able to reinforce the peace of God, I've got some responsibilities. He said, what I both learned, have you learned anything going to church? Some of your responsibilities, have you learned some of those? What you have learned and received and heard and seen. In other words, he practiced this. He said, I want you to do. What is it that he's talking about right there? Well, he gives us a few things, not all of them, but a few things in this chapter right here. And I want you to see them very clearly. And you think about it, as I go down them quickly, I want you to look and see, yep, I, I bumped into that one, lost my axe head right there one time. Nope, I'm okay with that one. I'm okay with that one. Nope, I lost it there one time, but I got it back. Now we'll look at verse number one. I'll show you what he's talking about right here. He said, the things that you have received and learned and heard and seen in me, he said, here's, here's your responsibilities and what I call the reinforcement on the war against worry. And you have to reinforce some things in your life. Verse 1. He said, Therefore, my breath, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown. So, what's the next two words? Stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. What God wants you to do to be able to maintain this peace is, you're going to have to stand fast or stay put. Don't get yourself out of church. If you're worried about something, if you're troubled about something, sometimes people come up with some weird ideas. Well, you know, I'm troubled and I just don't feel like I ought to go to church today. Did you know that's the day that you ought to go? That's right. I mean, that's really when you ought to be there. Well, I'm just, I'm just not a hypocrite. Nobody's going to ever think you're a hypocrite. with your mind, but he wants you to stand fast. Don't quit. You get out of church, you're going to lose the peace of God. You'll never have the peace of God and you'll never have the power of God in your life if you get out of church. You say, I don't need church to be right with God. Right there you're showing your ignorance. Because the Lord died for the church. He loves the church. He works through the church. He does. All right. Now notice he says here in verse number one, stand fast. So look at yourself and say, okay, even when I'm struggling, I'm going to hang in there and I'm going to stand fast in the Lord. He saved me and I may, may not be batting, I may not be batting a thousand, but I'm going to keep swinging and I'm going to stay in church. Now look in verse number two. You got to settle 
your differences between your brother and your sister. At least you make the effort. If you want the peace of God, look in verse 2. I beseech Yodias, beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. These are women's names. They had fallen out with each other about something. And it was starting to impact the church. And it was so much in that, um, let's see. Y'all know what this is, right? A church full of bulletins. What if I had fishing? Y'all get to church Sunday morning? You open it up? Sister Mary, you and Sister Cindy, settle your differences today so we can have a mission conference. Wouldn't that be something? power of God on my life. He wants the power of God on his life. I want God's good hand on everything I do. Right. If something slips, breaks, or tears, I don't want it to be my fault. Right. You understand? And so, he said, hey, settle your differences. This is one of the responsibilities of Paul talking about this, about settling. He said it being of the same mind in the Lord. Initiate the reconciliation. Don't 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 um, if somebody approaches you and, and they say, look, I am very sorry for what I have done to you. You have something to work with. Not if they say, if I have offended you. That's nothing. It's, I'm sorry. What can I do to make this right? Now you've got something to work with. There ain't no need. Then you act like a king and say, well, if you'll bow down to me and kiss my toe, I'll forgive you. You can't be like that. Agree? You can't be like that. Because one day you're going to want to be forgiven. Amen? Amen. All right. And so I'm saying here in verse number two, settle your differences. But look in verse number three. Notice a, a repeat of words here. He says, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. Notice that word yoke fellow. Help those women which labored. Notice that word labored with, with me in the gospel. With Clement also, with also my fellow laborers. Notice that. Yoke fellow, laborers, my fellow laborers. Find an area where you can participate in the work of the Lord and not just watch people in the work of the Lord. This is where you have a servant's attitude. A servant's heart shows up at church and says, where do you need me? A servant does not show 
Don't you ever underestimate how powerful your prayer life is. Paul said that he had helpers because of the great Paul. They were his helpers in prayer. Don't ever think that your prayer life does not impact the work of the Lord. That's one of the things that I appreciate Brother Tony's wife, Sister Bunny. She's going to be with the Lord now. But for years, years before she could not do this, she would bring some of the older ladies here and whoever else wanted to come. And they would meet here once a week and they would pray for every church member and pray for my ministry. And they, she would bring them, she'd go pick up some of the other widow ladies and she'd bring them, she'd bring them some coffee and some cookies and they'd sit in here for an hour or so, two hours, and pray for the work of God. And I'm just saying that there is something that you can do. But in verse number 3, when you, when you start getting engaged in the ministry, it sure helps you to get into focus on yourself. And just you. Very good. And so when, when you, what you're worried about, you're really stressed out about, when you get engaged with other people and trying to minister to other people, it helps It helps put some salve on your issues and helps you with that. Then notice look what else he says in verse number 4. He said, Rejoice in the Lord when? Hmm. And again I say what? Rejoice. Now when everything else around you is falling apart, God is not. And you can rejoice in what God has done for you. You really can. Even when you're hurting, you can rejoice in what God has done for you. Even when things are not maybe good at home or with your finances, there are some things that God has done for you that no man can take away from you. Like the fact that you have been adopted into the family of God. You have an inheritance that no man God has justified you. He has redeemed you. He has forgiven you of your sins. There are things that God has given to you that are just priceless that man cannot take away from you. If everything else falls apart tomorrow in your life, you can know in your heart that you're going to go to heaven and that God has forgiven you of all of your sins. That matters to me. I want to know that God has forgiven me, that I have peace with God. I want the peace of God. Why, if you can't thank him for what really matters, why would he give you more about things that don't really matter, that's going to burn when this world disappears? you got to learn to be grateful and thankful in your heart. Now look at here. Look in verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And I will say that sometimes that's a real challenge and sometimes a real sacrifice. When your heart's broken. And when you've suffered great loss. Or you've been done great injury. By slander. Or rejected. There's some real pain that Christians go through. Why would he say rejoice? He wrote this while he was in prison. He experienced some things. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. 
All right, notice in verse number 5, something else here. He said, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. What does that mean? Well, man is known for doing good. Anytime man is trying to discover something that is good, he usually winds up going in excess of what God's will is for all men around the globe with something that was designed really for self-defense primarily or, or hunting to feed yourself with. But here's my point. Here's the point in verse number five. Don't let a good thing in your life turn into a bad thing in your life. Don't let a blessing that God has given you turn into a burden and a stumbling block. There's an example of this in the scriptures about honey. The Bible says that you should eat honey because it's good for you. Then he says you should eat honey such as is sufficient for you. And then he says too much honey will make one sick. Too much of a good thing. I've seen some couples that God blessed them financially to wind up buying them something, maybe a nice RV, and before you know it, out of church on Sunday because they're at the campground. And then they're out another Sunday. And listen, God wouldn't oppose them having an RV. God wouldn't oppose them going to the campground once or twice a year. But don't let something that is good become something that takes you away from the will of God. And especially when you start inviting other folks to join you in your fun and take them away from the work of God. You understand? You can take something that's really good and overdo it. Aware that it's it's harmful to you. I heard a guy, matter of fact, it was Brother Bevins Welder, good man of God. He said, he said, Brother Rogers, he said, I he said, I he said, I I could buy a boat, but I ain't gonna buy a boat. He said, because I spend too much time on that boat if I had that boat. He said, I decided just to pay a guy to take me uh, once in a while. And he said, that way I always guarantee to come back with fish most of the time. And so he said, by the time I weigh that out with how much a boat costs, it worked, it worked out pretty good for me. I said, Bro brother, I said, I understand that. I said, you know, not everybody who has something chooses expensive clothes. But not everybody that has something is controlled by it. We all drink. Amen. Right. And so what happens, the Lord says here, listen, let your moderation be made known unto all men. Let People know that you love God more than you love pleasure. Yeah. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. And, and God is not a pleasure killer. God's a pleasure giver. He just wants you to love Him more than you love pleasure. Amen. Amen. Alright. Then look at verse number. Are y'all still with me? Okay, we got a few more minutes. Okay, verse number 8. This is key right here because this is where the battleground is. Philippians 4, chapter Chapter 4, verse number 8. You have to guard your thoughts, your imaginations, the impressions that you get in your mind. You're going to have to do this if you're going to maintain the peace of God. 
I've gone, I've gone home from church just full. I mean, just full of just happy, excited, just blessed. And before I go to bed at night, I mean, not before I go to bed, but by the time I go to sleep, lay there, they start thinking about this and that and this and that. And before I know it, I've lost some of that. It leaked out. Whatever I had, it leaked out. <laughs> and the Lord said, uh, who did this to you? And I said, Lord, I did it to myself. Because what happens here is, in verse number 8, he says, he says, you need to think upon things that are true. Oh, I tell you what, we, we let too many things come our way that are just half true, especially if you look on that phone all the time. And people are always posting something. And by the way, just because it's on the Internet doesn't mean it's true. some stuff back that you may not like. Right. Amen. Amen. But here's the thing about it, folks. According to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, the, 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 the battleground is right here. And you're going to have to understand that the devil works by making suggestive thoughts into your mind about one another. Lies, half-truths. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, you can come into the church, you can come into the, on a good day, on a Sunday, you come here your mind is out of whack and you are misinterpreting everybody that says something to you right. or doesn't say something to you. Right. And you start reading into that and there's nothing there because we weren't thinking about you at all. Yeah. <laughs> I know that hurts your feelings, but we really weren't thinking about you at all. We were just trying to get something from God ourselves right. and was yeah. glad to see you. Just saying that you can really, really, really hurt yourself with your mind and with your thoughts. And that's why he said this. Is it true? Is it honest? I like what Brother David said a few weeks ago when he was teaching. That somebody said, hey, uh, uh, why, is, why is Brother Dwayne doing this and this in, in, the, in, in the marketplace field? And, and he said, well, I don't know. Let's, let's go ask him. Well, I don't want to do that. just wanted to gripe a little bit and murmur a little bit. Because if you really wanted to know, you'd have went and asked him to start with. Right. Amen. Amen. So, guard your thoughts, your imaginations, and the impressions that you get. Because you know what? Sometimes
comes on and says, I'm in this. Then you can have those kind of feelings, and it'll rob you of your peace. Because you're not basing it on facts. You're just basing it on feelings and fears and, and things of that nature. And he says, look, is it true? Is it honest? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it of a good report? You won't be watching much news then, will you? Because they lie all the time. They're merchandise. They're mer- merchants of fear and discontentment. Second Corinthians chapter ten. Sister Martha says, "You and I are in every thought, every single thought, under subjection to Christ. And even if sometimes you get sideways or irritated with somebody, sometimes you just got to take that to the Lord and say, hey, Lord." That's none of my business. I'm just going to let it go. You give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I don't know what they're going through, and I don't need to ask them. God, I love them, and they love me, and I'm just going to go on, God. Good. And God will help you with that. Yes. He'll give you some peace about it. So, minds borrow trouble. Minds borrow trouble. I want you to go to Isaiah 26.3. Let's go to the house. Isaiah 26.3. This is my wife's favorite verse right here. Isaiah 26.3. You'll see this on a plaque a lot of times on a wall, but usually they don't have the whole verse there for some reason. Just part of it. Isaiah 26.3. That's on page 839 if you got a real good Bible. Isaiah 26 and verse number 3. Look at this. The Bible says, Thou will keep him in what? Well, I like that kind of peace. Whose what? Mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. You can at least, you won't always win the war. war against it and win some of the battles. You can. So that you're not always discouraged or depressed or defeated in your mind and in your heart. Okay? I pray the Lord will help you with this. Look what he says. He said, day by day, page 100, day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here, trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I have no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure mingling toil and peace and rest. Every day the Lord himself is weary with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares he fain would bear and cure me. Do you name his counselor and power? The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he lays. As thy days, thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he made. 
Help me then in every tribulation so to trust thy promises, O Lord. I love this part. O Lord, that I lose not faith's sweet consolation offered me within thy holy word. That's that peace of God. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting ere to take as from a father's hand one by one the days to moments fleeting till I reach the promised land. What a great song. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these dear saints of God. May the Lord encourage them, strengthen them, and Lord, may they win some of the battles that come against them. Lord, even probably some of them tonight are troubled about. 